we have worked uh, diligently to make sure that people are aware of our service and how you can get it. And right now, Utopia Fiber is the highest rated telecommunications provider in the state of Utah. This is episode 331 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. The Utah Telecommunications Open Infrastructure Agency, also known as Utopia, began when communities in Utah's north-central region banded together in 2004. They got together to develop an open-access fiber network. Over the past 14 years, they've experienced ups and downs, been attacked by the anti-muni sect, and through it all, gained a wealth of knowledge. In recent years, the project has definitely been on the upswing, and this week, Christopher talks with Kimberly McKinley from Utopia. They talk about some of the accomplishments Utopia has made as it's expanded, the products they offer, and some of the changes they've made. Kimberly and Christopher discuss how Utopia's fresh approach to taking control of their marketing has driven a good portion of their success. She offers advice for communities that aren't used to operating in environments where competition demands reaching potential customers. Now here's Christopher with Kimberly McKinley from Utopia. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Today I'm talking to Kimberly McKinley, the Chief Marketing Officer for Utopia Fiber in Utah. Welcome to the show, Kim. Well, thank you for having me, Chris. It's exciting to be here. I've really enjoyed seeing your presentations uh, in a variety of places. I think probably both coasts and then the middle a few times. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit for people who might be thinking, Utopia, that's interesting. Um, what is uh, the Utopia Project? The Utopia Project is a uh, interlocal agency based here out of Utah. It's 11-city open access network um, based out of basically Salt Lake. We, it's Murray. It's a little suburb of Salt Lake. And we've been doing this project since 2004. And this is actually, I mean, in some ways, you were the ones that kicked off the whole anti-municipal broadband movement because of uh, the opposition you faced. So it's been a, a project that, um, as we'll discuss, is succeeding despite some pretty heavy hitters trying to shut you down. You know, we've had our history, as most people are aware. I've been to a lot of these conferences, as you've mentioned. And it's interesting, as I sit in presentations, how people uh, speak about utopia and how we are a failure. And I kind of chuckle to myself because I know otherwise of what is actually happening on the utopia network. Right. I think a lot of people just aren't aware of the past few years because you certainly wouldn't dispute that utopia really had a few rough years. No, not at all. We were, we were bleeding edge when this uh, network started in 2004. It was a little bit ahead of its time. When this project started, nobody understood. Facebook wasn't out there. YouTube wasn't out there. Nobody understood the need for the bandwidth, we are, which we are currently seeing today. Well, and you mentioned um, that there is 11 cities. Let's talk a little bit about one of the signs of success, which is seems like you're getting uh, invitations to expand that. We are. We uh, currently have about 20 uh, feasibility studies out in the marketplace right now. We just announced that we are going to be building a network down in a small little community in Utah called Woodland Hills. We have started construction in the past week on that network. Uh, I think we our timeline is to have that all built out by the beginning of spring. And I understand that you're going out of state. I saw a press release that you're heading into Idaho Falls, I believe. 
Our relationship with Idaho Falls is a little bit of an interesting one. We are just consultants on that project. Uh, they contacted us because they knew that we understand how to do um, open access networks and what the pitfalls are on these kind of networks. So we're just helping them stand up their network and uh, just showing them what you should and shouldn't do because um, everybody understands we know both sides of that, that story. Right. Well, I guess I need to read my press releases more closely. Uh, classic error, I'm sure. Um, but the 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 overall news that you're getting, I mean, you said 20-some feasibility studies. I mean, this is something that is, is pretty new and different, I think, right? I mean, the dynamic in Utah, uh, I think you actually said in one of your events was that when you would enter an event, you may not be excited to be wearing your Utopia shirt. And um, now it's a, it's a lot more popular than it used to be. No, that is, I think, the classic... Uh story that I like to tell is I used, when I started working at Utopia back in 2010, if I walked into a store with a Utopia fiber shirt, uh, people would tell me what they thought of Utopia and how it was the government should get out of this space. Um, and it was just not a proper role of what we were doing. And if I go into wearing a Utopia shirt to any place now, everybody tells me, when is, ask me, when is it coming? And uh, how can I get it? Uh, so it is definitely a turnaround in eight years. And it's been a dramatic turnaround. Well, and as you, the marketing person, I'm guessing you distinguish this. Um, my impression is is that its customers have always been pretty happy with it, but they've been few and far between um, for, as we mentioned, the historical reasons that we have covered in past podcasts and many others have, have discussed. Um, the, the people have always liked the service. I think you've been smeared, and finally the truth is outrunning those smears. Do you think that's an accurate way of, of summing it up? I think that is absolutely an accurate way. I think the, mo the most frustration that people had is because they didn't understand why w the politics behind what was happening and why they didn't have it in their neighborhood. And I think that is all changing now as we are growing at our fastest pace um, in Utopia's history. Well, it sounds like there's multiple ways that you're expanding. You mentioned the the consulting is is one thing, which I know that um, Utopia has long been willing to offer advice to cities in a in a variety of mechanisms. But um, can you sum up the ways in which your the Utopia network is expanding currently? You know, there's a couple uh, ways. Layton City they just did a bond to finish building out their network within two years. Uh, they saw a huge demand and uh, from their residents saying that they wanted the service and they did not want to wait any longer. So Layton City took it upon themselves to um, issue the bond in order to speed up the delivery of that service. And I, and I think roughly half of your cities have universal service now, right? Approximately about half. Uh, the larger cities are the ones who have the most to be built out still. Right. So Leighton, Leighton is showing one model for that. Mm -hmm. I think in, in a number of those other ones, if a person wants access, they're paying the upfront connect fee now. Or is that right? No, the, we still have that option that is out there. But our most popular option in which somebody can sign up to the Utopia network is that they pay a $30 a month fee to Utopia, and then they choose uh, the service provider in which they want. Um, but the all-in cost for most people who sign up on the Utopia network is $65, and that's $30 to Utopia and $35 to one of our service providers. And that will get you 250 meg uh, connection up and down. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I've uh, I think I've done 331 of these interviews, something like that. And um, you know, as someone stuck with a cable monopoly, <laughs> just um, I'm a little bit annoyed every time I hear about these <laughs> wonderful options elsewhere. <laughs> and, and one thing that we just announced not too long ago is our 10 gig residential service that starts at about oh, 230. Yeah, yeah, 230 dollars a month. And we do have customers on that. And I I frequently ask. What is it? Does somebody use with a ten gig service at home? Um, but we still have people who are interested in signing up for it. Well, I think I would like one of those connections for at least uh, maybe like an hour to to get my <laughs> photo collection in the cloud. Um, but beyond that, I agree. It seems uh, a bit of overkill. Um, so the the latent model is one, but you're you've recently gone to the bank and uh, come away with funds to expand. Um, you know, in, in a different model. Can you sum that up for us? Luckily, Utopia has had its history, but um, this past year, um, for the first time in Utopia's history, that we went to the bonding agencies and we bonded for approximately $23 million based off our revenues and not city backing. And so, so for people who aren't as financially um, strong in their, their background, you know, I think that's a, it's a significant sign of confidence from the investors, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that what we've done for the past eight years has really kind of dictated what people feel about us and how we can move forward in this model. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge victory for everybody who's been watching this project for many, many years to say that this was even a possibility um, 10 years ago. Speaking of how we've documented that that things have changed, you mentioned that you're um, you're winning a popularity contest, and as the way Monopoly might have phrased it, uh, what's going on there? We have um, we have worked uh, diligently uh, to make sure that people are aware of our service and how how you can get it. And right now, Utopia Fiber is the highest rated telecommunications provider in the state of Utah. If you look on Google reviews, we're currently at a four point four. I think Yelp, last time I checked, we were at a 4.5. Uh, and this is totally different um, than the incumbents are in our market. It's exciting to see how much our customers love us and support us um, in the marketplace. I think one of the things to, to think about is is how that's achieved. So we're going to talk now about marketing, which is um, where you're strongest and I think perhaps most passionate. Um, you know, what, what does one have to think about? You're one of, I think, roughly 30, 32 municipal open access networks. What's different about marketing a utopia than a, than a closed, you know, triple play kind of network? I think this has been an interesting journey for Utopia. Um, It is the one I'm most passionate about. This is what I do and what I love every day. We had our morals and we had all our standards of if we build it, the service providers will market. Well, it turned out that didn't happen. So what we've done in the past 10 years is really taken the marketing in-house. And we say that we, this is the Utopia brand, and we market first and we let our ISPs, um, we market our ISPs on every piece that goes out. But we have to be the one who lets the consumers, um, who makes the consumers aware of who we are and what we're here, and that our cities um, did this for them and uh, for their future. So it's, it's an interesting role. As I've gone to a lot of these uh, industry events, a lot of people build these networks and they don't understand the importance of marketing. But this is, our network spans 130 miles um, along the I-15 corridor here in Utah. And you can't, 
it's hard to say 11 cities along that route, you can just build it and people will come. So we've really taken more of an active approach on this. Uh, so we send out mailers, we have direct mail, we have billboards, we have Pandora ads, we have Spotify, uh, Facebook. So we're everywhere to make sure that people are aware of who we are and why we're, why we're in this space. Now, you started there in 2010, so mm-hmm. I, I'm going to guess that, that, first of all, there was not a marketing budget of substantial amounts. H- how did you go about internally you know, making the case that this was a, a worthwhile investment for scarce funds? I think it, it, it took a while. I think the marketing budget has definitely grown over the years, but I think success has dictated that we can increase the marketing budget. This year, it will be Utopia's best year, and it will be the year we've spent the most on marketing. Um, we are approaching that we are adding 5,000 additional customers by the end of 2018. So that's a huge accomplishment, and I think that goes back to the people and the stakeholders are aware as they see the results that marketing is more and more important in this space. And I don't think a lot of cities, when they get into this, they don't understand that. But we have to approach it as a business and not necessarily as a governmental agency because we're not necessarily like a municipal power company. We are competing against major companies, and we can't just sit by and let them dictate the message out in the marketplace. Have the ISPs liked this marketing that you're doing? I mean, do, do any of them um, you know, have any different reactions? Is there like a split among them? I'm, I'm curious at all. I, you know, no, I don't think there is any backlash from us marketing from our ISPs. They have the ability to market on their own, and we encourage it. Um, I am just never going to to be dependent on them marketing. I can't be dependent on the the growth of Utopia on uh, third party entities that are a part of this network. I seem to recall there being a Utopia RV, and so I, I'm curious. You know, in your marketing, you mentioned a lot of advertising. Does does the marketing go beyond advertising? Or, or it's non-traditional? Yeah, no, absolutely. We do not have the RV on anymore, but we do have a demonstration trailer. And uh, we have a demonstration trailer with TVs, iPads, and we take it to community events and we take it to festivals throughout the community. So when we go, that people can test the connection and understand the difference that Utopia brings uh, to when they have it in their house. Because you never want to buy a service necessarily without testing it out. So we want everybody to have a hands-on approach before they, they sign up if they would choose to do so. So as we're as we're coming toward the end of our conversation, I'm I'm curious to just end on the the hopeful note of expansion further. Uh, what is the the rate of expansion that you're you're experiencing currently? You know, Utopia is growing at its fastest pace ever. It's probably a little too fast for us marketing folks, um, if that's ever possible. But we're passing about a thousand homes, um, opening a thousand homes additional a month uh, on, on the Utopia network. So it's an exciting time to be a part of Utopia uh, to see the growth that we're experiencing. Yeah, I think that that actually means that every year your network is growing by a larger amount than most of the open access networks have total customers. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to see the open access networks growing throughout the country. It's a platform that when I started at Utopia, I didn't think that you would see the growth that we're experiencing, but I'm seeing more and more communities who are embracing the open access networks. Okay, so I'm intrigued then. Let me just quickly ask you, Everyone looks at open access, and I think they primarily think, oh, I'm going to get you know, cheaper access. What is the, the biggest benefit of this model from someone who's sitting inside of it? I think the biggest benefit that I would see is people have choice. Um, and by, by choice, you drive up 
the, the prices do go lower, as you mentioned, but the quality goes higher. And if you are not satisfied, you can just move to another um, another provider and they, they can help you out. But it's about choice and it's about free market and that we believe here at Utopia that this is infrastructure and that municipalities should be building this uh, infrastructure and letting private sector service providers uh, run along those lines. Thank you, Kim McKinley, for um, coming on the show to, to tell us more about Utopia, a sense of what's going on. And as we're, as we're wrapping up, just remind us, um, you know, if, even for uh, people that might be located outside of Utah, you offer consulting services to, to help guide them along the way, right? We absolutely do. We feel here at Utopia that we are probably in the best position of anyone in the country to warn people about the pitfalls of open access and help them guide them through building their own networks. I always say that if there was a mistake to be made in the early years of Utopia, we've probably made it. Um, We might even have made it twice. Uh, So we understand and we can help open access networks in a unique way that that nobody else can because we've had the success that we're experiencing now, but we've also had uh, the, the growth and the issues we had in the past. Well, thank you so much. It's been it's been fun, and I just have to say that I'm so excited to see uh, this network succeeding because uh, it's it deserves it after all the hard years. It's fun to come to work. I always say, we I call it the Utopia team here, is that it's never a dull day here, and it's it's exciting to be part of a, a turnaround story and to per, be providing this service to our communities uh, throughout the state of Utah and elsewhere. That was Christopher with Kimberly McKinley from Utopia. They talked about how things for the once struggling network have turned around. Be sure to check out our other content on Utopia at muninetworks.org. We also have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other ILSR podcasts, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. And while you're there, take a moment to donate. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 331 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. (laughs) 